everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome all. Welcome friends, welcome relatives, welcome animals. If there's any uh, tigers listening or any turtles or bears, you're also welcome. Here we are. I'm in the back of a van. Um, luckily not down by the river. We're by the ocean in Oahu, which is a four-letter word for, I guess, a lot of things. But, um, you know, we're here. We had, so, man, we had the craziest morning. We So we're here filming with some wonderful meta, uh, wonderful men and women of the um, Armed Forces. We're doing an Adventures in Golf episode with veterans, the Veteran Golfers Association, the VGA. It's growing. Uh, mic down. If you, could, if you could only see this. Like, the mic is resting on the back of a chair. Hang on, I'm going to make this a little better. There we go. All right, so now these are things I should do before we start filming, rolling, sounding. Rolling sound, I guess is what you call it. All right, so we're back. Thanks for that commercial break, gravity, and uh, poor planning. So um, this is going to fall again. Don't worry. It'll happen. You'll know when it happens. Um, so, yeah, we came out here to, uh, to Oahu because there's a lot of military bases, Marines, Air Force, Navy, Army, and, um, you know, all these wonderful vets get together and have a have a have a uh, like a society within a society where they play golf and man, I mean, whenever I'm in an airport, I always really, whenever I'm in an airport and I see a soldier walking through, um, I get filled with like a tremendous amount of emotion, you know, because it's just like full on respect, you know? I just, I respect them. It's just such a big deal, you know, and, and I imagine that everybody feels that way, right? I mean, despite where your political leanings might lie or however you might vote, I don't think that anyone can look at another person and not be filled with gratitude and respect. That decision is... I mean, I always used to say that I think being a doctor is the best thing you can do with your life, right? I'm not a doctor. I didn't go to college or high school, really. But the idea of becoming a person that serves others in order to make them healthy and happy and live longer, right? That, that to me, is like there's really no greater purpose. I always thought being an artist was a bit of a waste of time, kind of selfish, um, even though I knew that on some level artists were also necessary, but but not nearly as immediately necessary as being a person who's involved with the human body and, and how it works and researching the problems that, you know, we have with it. Um, but anyway, so we came here to film this episode. We'll get into Australia in a minute. Um, you know, that was an incredible trip. Such great people everywhere. There are great people everywhere. So these uh, these guys came over last night, about 15 of them, all different, um, you know, categories. I don't know what you call it. All different uh, divisions of the armed forces. Some jarheads. <laughs> we had some uh, some airborne in here, and um, 
one of the airborne, I said, what do you want to do tomorrow? Like, what do you, we, we got to shoot something. What do you want to do? You want to go for a hike? You know, you want to, what do you want to surf? Uh, you want to work on your deck, on your patio? And Richard, the main guy, says, well, we could jump out of an airplane. <laughs> and I was like, um, sold to the lowest bidder. And so that's what we did this morning. We, we flew up to about 13,000 feet, and I did my first jump. And uh, no shit, it was terrifying. <laughs> like, because I'm afraid of flying. So not only did we get into basically a paper airplane, and not only was I positioned right by the open door that's like this, it's like six foot square, six feet by six feet, and it just was wide open until we got to 13,000 feet, which took like 15 minutes maybe, but it felt like it took like 12 hours. And, I mean, the plane is climbing at a very high rate of feet per second because... Uh, they want to get you the fuck out of that plane so they can land and pick up more people and, and then get them out of the plane and then, you know, continue on uh, making that money. Who can blame them? I can't blame them. Um, so they shoved me out of the plane. I was first. And I don't know. I mean, if you've jumped out of a plane, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you haven't, it's just a thing called skydiving that you may or may not ever do. Um, should you do it? Sure. Um Here's the interesting part is uh, it was great, right? Like you fall for, you know, 180 miles an hour for, I don't know, 20, 30 seconds. And then you pull the ripcord and you steer it around and do some jumps, do some spins. And then you finally land and you're like, oh, my God, that was incredible. Oh, my God, I can't believe it. That was incredible. And then uh, 15, 20 minutes of that. And then all of a sudden you actually get really weird. <laughs> you feel really weird. Like, I don't know if oatmeal was the wrong breakfast to have or if I'm tired or jet-lagged, but, yeah, I got out. I, I fell asleep in the car on the way back. It was like an hour drive back to Airbnb. And then when we got home, I was my body was aching, I think because of all the adrenaline just pumping through my body. Um... Yeah, and so David did it, my camera guy, and uh, it sounds sounds like a, he's more than a camera guy. He's he's the pillar of our little AIG production society. Uh, Stuart didn't come because he's got a bad knee, and also we determined that it'd be better if he filmed from the ground of us landing. So that was done. We had there was a we the, you can't bring a camera onto the plane, so we had to pay obviously ching an extra fee to uh, the they have like a camera guy that comes out and he came up with us and he's got a GoPro on his helmet. And, you know, David and I use a lot of GoPros on the show every once in a while. And we were like, all right, dude, so we want to shoot this in uh, D log and we want uh, 120 frames and, you know, we want super wide. And he was like, what, what? We were like, no, no, no. Like, can you just get, let us set it up? So we set up his GoPros and got the flat color profile and everything. And yeah, we nailed it. It looks so good. So, I, I hope it really comes out. You know, and Richard, uh, the staff sergeant um, from the Airborne, who, there's some motorcycles, um, he, uh, I'm literally in a driveway in a, in a, uh, in a sweet minivan, actually. And I'm in the back seat, and the, the microphone is on the front seat. And I'm crouching forward, kind of like I'm taking a shit, but obviously I'm in a rental car, so I wouldn't do that. Um, I don't know, unless, I guess there was a reason to, which... You just can't ever, you can't ever imagine what life's uh, 
twists and turns are going to bring you. Maybe one day there will be a reason to take a shit in a rental van. That's I completely within the realm of possibility. I don't know why I rule anything out at this point. Um, yeah. So anyway, we yeah, like the whole process happens, and and then you're just you just drained, like just completely spent. Like I got home and I could barely walk to the bed and I felt like such a bitch. <laughs> like all I did was have a leisurely jump out of a plane. Meanwhile, Sergeant Staff Sergeant Shepard has jumped out of 64 planes. Um, you know, he served in Afghanistan. He was blown up. Uh, his golf swing had to be redone from the ground up. He developed uh, a nervous tick in his hand and uh, and he has a lisp all from this injury in Afghanistan. One of the most amazing things that I, I hope we get to cover with the episode is just the incredible sense of uh, care that these men and women have for each other. You know, the, the true, uh, it's a brotherhood, I guess, watching out for each other uh, and knowing when to be serious and when to joke around, knowing that there's casual times and knowing that there's uncasual times. I mean, it just fills me up with an intense feeling. Um, I, I just, I, on some level, I feel like I missed my calling. Like I really think I could have done the military. And I know that if you know me, you think I'm an idiot because it's probably not true, but I don't know. Like I, I just, I just feel like there's something there that you don't get anywhere else in the world, right? This shared sense of responsibility, duty, care, organization, love, and service. Right? You don't, I don't know, I don't see that showing up anywhere. Not in a bank, not at a surf shop. Everyone's individuals, right? Even on a golf course, we just walk around by ourselves. It's kind of sad, you know? But these guys, no. They're a foursome. Right? And the interesting thing they were saying is that golf equalizes all of them despite rank, right? So they walk in, a major, a sergeant, a staff sergeant, a private. But on the golf course, they're just hitting a shot from 160 into the wind. Yeah, I get kind of emotional thinking about it. I talked to them about Band of Brothers, obviously. You know, it's my favorite um, favorite show ever, period. I don't know, man. Like, I, I just, I love it. Like, there's something about, like, there's just something about it, right? I just love it. I, I don't, like, if if you were like, Eric, you could have a successful career in the military, or you could have a successful career in golf, like, at the end of my life, I might actually choose military. There's just something so... It's like a spiritual thing. It's got to be. Because it's not about money or job or anything like that. It's, it's, this, it's this shared mission that you rarely have. Like, like, when we go out and shoot the show, we get this feeling, right? The three of us roaming around in our vehicle of the day. Um, you know, we get that a little bit. But we're just figuring it all out for the first time. You know, we're just out here like, oh, I don't know. Like, oh, here we go. You know, where's, where's military? There are, they were talking about missions that have been practiced for 80 years that literally haven't 
been used for 80 years. Like he's, he was describing these missions of securing an airfield in a um, enemy territory, and he's like, yeah, we haven't done that in 80 years, but I know exactly how to do it. Right? They, they've got everything down to a T, and there's just something I really love about that. Like, yeah, I want to walk into a place and be like, I know exactly what the fuck to do if shit goes upside down. I know exactly how to handle myself. Like, whenever I'm on a plane, I'm always thinking about it. Like, who's going to show up? Who's going to be there? You know what I mean? Like, am I going to be the one that's going to, like, walk over the window and, like, grab my, grab my waterproof duffel bag and, like, prop it up to the open window so that no one gets sucked out of the plane? Like, are we going to land? Am I going to, like, am I going to be the one that's, like, looking for fire out the wing? And I'm going to be like, don't go. Don't go. Go forward. Go backward. You know? Or am I going to, like, go try to get my iPad as I run to the wrong exit and then die? And I can't wait to film with these guys. We're going to go play golf in a little bit on Oahu. Um, yeah, so so we've been in Oahu. Yeah, so we got to Hawaii. Sorry. Got to drink that water. Got to stay hydrated. Strangely, tap water in Oahu tastes like shit. Uh, I don't know how they did that. <laughs> this place is, I guess it's not a lot of... Well, no, there should be a lot of water. I don't know. Who knows? Um, but we got here. Uh, we flew from Melbourne. Melbourne. That was a fun... Man, Australia ended up great. We did uh, Nullarbor. Obviously, last time I talked to you, we were in a van down by the river, and now I'm in a van down by the ocean. Uh, just sort of life in vans. Van life, with a Y. And uh, so we finished up Nullarbor. It was, you know, wild. It was dry. It was uh, very ignorant. Um, uh, you know, it was, <laughs> I'm kidding. I mean, but it was relatively ignorant. Um, <laughs> there was a lot of weirdness. Um, and we got done with that, and then we went to Cooper Pedy, and we filmed some amazing... Um, more desert golf and an opal mine in central Australia-ish. And uh, we got done a little ahead of schedule, which, uh, you know, we kind of always try to plan for. So we've got, you know, we, we never want to have too little time. So we always try to pad it with a day or two relatively in between uh, long flights. So, so we'll fly in, and then we'll know that we're expecting to be uh, completed with these, these uh, this content by, by, like, say, Monday, right, six days later or you know, whatever, three days later. And then we'll know we have, like, a very short uh, domestic flight, and usually we don't book those until the day before. And then um, and then we know that that domestic flight is taking us somewhere else to shoot or somewhere else to spend a day in a city. Because when you leave the middle of nowhere, you it's mandatory you have to spend a day in the city or else you'll actually get stupid. You have to... <laughs> Sounds bad, um, but you, you have you have to spend a day in in the city, right? You have to uh, go out and get a nice dinner. You deserve some really good coffee. Uh, some maybe I'll go to a vegan restaurant, even though I'm not a vegan. I I'll need that like healthy food. Otherwise, you turn gray. Uh, it's actually scientifically proven you become gray um, if you eat at road stops and truck stops for too long. And um, and then you go. You get that time in the city. You go out. You go to a jazz club. You dance, right? You hang out with your friends that are there. Um, in the case of Sydney, luckily, uh, I had a friend to live there and, you know, went around with them, went on a boat, checked it all out, did some sightseeing, and then went to um, – we saw some jazz, like I just said. So I'm just really describing what actually happened. And then while I was there, I got a message on Instagram from a guy who said, yo, I'm going to go to this place called Golf in the City if you want to roll. And I was like, sounds like my jam. I like golf. I like in the – and I like the city. So 
Let's do all three of those things. And we went and, um, you know, it's just like a driving range inside of a bar with, with like, uh, you're hitting into a simulator. So we did that. And then we went to a place called Holy Moly in Sydney, which is like a putt-putt kind of like psychedelic uh, frat bar, which uh, was uh, was a good experience to have, but I found it relatively unenjoyable. And uh, I started thinking about, like, how I would do it differently, you know. And uh, during the day, I played New South Wales Golf Club, which definitely ranks high for me. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, what's your favorite course? Like, man, I don't know, dude. Like, there's so much great golf out there. For me, it's more about the experience and the people. Um, I, and as a kid, I went hiking a lot. Like, we, I, when, before I was into golf or anything, or I would just go photograph um, nature. Like I would just go hike and I would bring a camera and I would take pictures. And it's funny because now I basically do the same thing, except, uh, I gave someone else the camera and I'm, and then I play golf in nature. Right. And, and, and we try to have fun with it and I get to be the class clown that I was in third grade and so much trouble in third grade. Like, I think I almost got expelled and being 10 years old and almost getting expelled is like, that's that's big boy stuff. Like you're dealing with some real shit right there. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so anyway, New South, man, that is a golf course right there. Like Mackenzie Design, very old, uh, on the water, a par three, huge carry at the south head of Sydney. So you're really looking straight out into the rest of the world. You know, you're looking at um, you know South America basically. Uh, you know, some seven thousand miles away. And it was just beautiful. There was some rain. There was some sun. There was some clouds. There was some wind. There was actually a lot of wind, now that I think about it. And it was just a wonderful time, you know. I, I don't know if you if you look at my Instagram, you probably already know the story. But I walked up to the first tee. A wonderful uh, Instagram friend said, hey, I can get you on New South. I'd love to play with you. I was like, great. I would love to play with you, too. Let's go do this. And, um, and he's like, ah, shit. I can't that day. But I can get you on. So uh, I was like, ah, you know, I don't want to just roll up solo. Like, I mean, I love the idea of the random experiences that occur. But to be honest with you, like, I got one day in Sydney. Like, if I'm just going to play with, like, potentially someone that's, like, I don't know. Like, I definitely don't want to go play alone. Like, it, like for me to walk 18 holes by myself, like, I would go crazy. Um, I need people around to uh, make it an enjoyable experience. Like, I play alone sometimes in L.A., but usually it's only, like, six holes or nine holes. But, like, you know, I'm, like, I'm like I got other shit I want to do. Right. Like to me, for me, the like ecstasy, like sexual experience in golf is like I want to play 18 holes with like three dudes that I fucking love or three dudes that I have no idea who they are that are that are like, you know, into the same things I am. So I was like kind of hesitant about it. like I was like, oh, I don't want to go play alone. And anyway, I was like, you know what? Fuck it, dude. Just go. You've got this offer. The universe is seeming to tell you to go. So just go. <clears throat> so I go and on the first tee, um, sort of told that I'm playing with two others and you know, I'm kind of waiting around, and it's cool morning. It's like 8.30. I'm feeling really good, even though I didn't go to sleep until pretty late. And a guy comes up, and he goes, are you Eric? I said, yeah. He's like, I'm Scott. We met in Florida in January. I work at Streamsong. And I was like, oh, shit, man. On the other side of the globe, we're hanging out. And uh, he was with his friend Tom, and him and Tom, Scott and Tom, had gone all across uh, Australia and New Zealand for the last, like, 15 days, and this was our last round before they took off the next morning. So we had a great time, and they're and they're the kind of golfers that can make a birdie, but they can also pick up a putt, you know what I mean? And that was just fun for me. They they spent their lives in golf, dedicated to the game, 
um, really interested in the layout and the understandings of the culture and history of the game. And it was really beautiful. It was a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful experience. And then to go out that night and spend time in Sydney using, you know, kind of the, the more urban side of golf was really cool. And, um, and we woke up in the morning and uh, flew to Melbourne where we were. Sydney was like a last-minute tack-on. Like I just had just enough time to go play there, so I stopped off. And then I'd already been to Melbourne like four times, so I wanted to see Sydney. I'd never, I'd only been there once, and it was like torrential downpour, so I didn't really see anything. So I got to see that, and then compare it to Melbourne, which was kind of cool. It seems like Sydney is more like L.A. and Melbourne is more like Portland, but there are some other subtle differences. Like Melbourne is more of like a thriving cultural downtown area, whereas Sydney is much more like kind of sprawling and beachy. Um, and it seems like the people from Sydney love Melbourne, but the people from Melbourne don't like Sydney. Obviously, you're listening, you're thinking, you're an asshole, you're incorrect. Well, that's fine. Someone told me that, so I didn't even make that up. So there you go, blame them. Um, But I love both of them. I think I know Melbourne a little better, so I just find it smaller and easier to deal with. Um... So we get to Melbourne, and uh, we land at, like, noon. And then at 3 o'clock, we get the wonderful, wonderful, wonderful privilege of um, of doing, like a, like, a little hang session. So I had gotten messages from a handful of people on Instagram saying, oh, if you're coming to Melbourne, let me know. And I was like, yeah, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. And then I quickly realized, like, I don't have enough time to, like, hang with all these wonderful people that, like, feel the same way about golf that I do. So I was just like, you know what, let's just all go play golf together. Um, and maybe other people will meet other people and maybe they'll know each other or whatever it is. So we went to Royal Park, which is like, um, I don't know where you live, but do you have a nine hole course that's like kind of ratty, but also really interesting. And it's kind of in the middle of everything and there's train tracks and it's really fun things. And it's kind of a fun course, but it's like the par fives are like under 500 yards and you could see anybody playing there. That's what it is. Royal Park. It's super cool. I loved it. And we had about 11 or 12 people showed up, and, you know, we played as one group. The the pro, Mick, was really sweet about it, and he let us do that. And uh, my man Colt in L.A. set it up, um, and and uh, Tom worked in the pro shop in, in Melbourne, and, he, and he's a young guy. kind of I think he was 20. Great swing. Kind of swing a little bit like a slow-motion Xander Shoffley. And... Um, Yes, we all went out and played golf together, and you know it was funny because it started off a little slow. So like, "Eh, what are we doing here? Everyone's like, "Eh, "Who are all these weirdos?" Uh, By the third tee box, we were making jokes and having a good time. By the seventh tee box, we were just all talking to each other, small groups, little groups, big groups. And then we pulled in. uh, It got dark on the ninth hole. I lost my ball, and um, you know we just we 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 put it out on nine, and it's a nine hole course. So we went back to the clubhouse and hung out. Probably hung there for an hour, hour and a half. Uh, some people showed up that that didn't play golf; they just wanted to hang. And then um, none of us hit the green on number one, which is a short par three. So we took another crack at it uh, at about like 8 p.m., like after the sun had been down for a long time. And it was really fun. You know, we just had a great time, and we talked about a lot of big ideas in golf and and what golf needs. We, you know, some talked about adventures in golf and what the future is and kind of like the behind the scenes of some of the older episodes and and this is something I really hope to do as we continue traveling throughout the show when we have time Um, so if you're interested in like helping set that up or if you have an idea let me know Um, looks like we're going to Iceland 
Uh, so I don't know if there's, maybe there's like maybe there's like uh, someone in Iceland listening to this. Who knows? Possible, possible. Anything's possible. I just took a, took a shit in the RV, so that's possible. I mean, I'm in the van, not in the RV. Um, wow, 24 minutes. I feel like I've been talking for an hour. You realize you're my shrink, right? You re- you realize like I'm just not paying for therapy right now. Um, so then I wake up on Friday morning, and Stuart and I have the lovely opportunity of playing Royal Melbourne, the East Course, with a man named Ben, who's a wonderful young guy, um, and uh, offered to take us out. And we played Royal Melbourne, and that was a dream, obviously. Um, last time I was in Melbourne a year ago, we played Kingston Heath, which was my friend Lisa took us out there. She's a pro at Huntingdale. And so we go tee off, and it's like misty and cloudy, and we got to tee off pretty early because we got an afternoon flight. uh to to Honolulu. So so we go and man, we play we play eighteen holes. I'll be honest though, I was a bit out of it. I was a bit distracted. I I I had been kind of running on empty and we pushed to get these episodes done and then we then we basically want to make the most of our time off and so we end up like draining whatever we have left in our batteries. So really my you know we were I was talking to Stuart about you know, he was like, do you have anything on your bucket list? Because someone made a joke to me how I had said on PGA Tour Radio, I don't have anything on my bucket list. And then they were like, what about Augusta? And I was like, yeah, I guess. And then I go play it a month later. And I was just thinking about bucket list. And I was like, I mean, I don't really, man. Like, like when I was on the plane from Melbourne to Hawaii, like always, I contemplate my own death. And I thought, geez, I would probably laugh at this point. Like, I would probably laugh. I felt really okay with it all, you know? The idea that this is the last page. You know, like, it's been so meaningful being with these soldiers here. You know, they've been saying some incredibly nice things to me and our team about what we do for golf and how we make it fun. And they get me, man. They get me, like, in that hard spot where I, like, get a little choked up. And Staff Sergeant Shepard was like, look, man, you make golf approachable and you make people want to play it and that's priceless and you have you have the best job in the world and you and you treat it like that and you honor it and so for that reason all of us in the armed forces respect you and i was just like floored man. i wasn't ready for that i'm just a clown you know i don't have anything to say like even here we were like after they all left someone was like man it's so cool that you did this and i was like fuck man i didn't do anything i had a lighter and I had some wood, but I didn't come up with the idea to put them together. Someone else walked by and gave me that idea. I really didn't. I didn't come into the. I didn't come into any of this thinking I'm going to make a golf show that's going to make people want to play golf. No, you know when I met Chris Berman uh, for the eight seconds that I met him on a driving range in Arizona, I said, "Chris, look, man, I really respect you, dude. Help me." I don't know how to be a host. They've told me they want me to do this job. I have no idea what to do. What advice can you give me about being a host? Which is really a job that I, for a long time, like totally disrespected. Like I was like, that's such a loser job. Because most of them are losers. Like Most of them don't actually have anything to say. They're just reading the teleprompter. And Chris was like, you know Chris Berman, ESPN? Chris was like, he, he pointed at my chest. He touched me in the chest and he said, if you find it interesting they'll find it interesting. And just focus on that. 
And I still think about that all the time. Even when I'm making small decisions about like how to shoot it or where to go or what to say. Right? I just try to filter through that thing of like, hang on, am I genuinely interested here? Yes. Let's go. Let's dig. Let's do this. Let's work harder. Let's get up earlier. Let's work late. You know, let's cram this in. You know what I mean? Let's get this done. And then let's take some time off and further get more shit done and learn about shit and go walk around and experience things. You know? Shepard was in here last night talking to me about how, look, man, we're on Hawaii. We're here. People fly here. People spend thousands of dollars coming here for a week. We're here. We've got to experience this every day. And we've got to experience it. That's our responsibility. And so him as a person who's seen incredible tragedy both in his own body, through his own eyes, but through others that he's lost, you know, he deeply understands kind of the thing that I really try to think about a lot of, a lot of the time, especially when I'm traveling. You know, traveling is great because it really wakes me up to the idea that each experience will fall away, right? Kind of like uh, like water on a windshield, you know? Each each experience dies. Each little tiny, even this, this, this fucking podcast. Not only is this episode going to be over in a minute, but like maybe the podcast won't last forever, right? Like, like the idea that everything ends is crucial to allow us to like have that ability to like really be there for while we are there. And I think that's why I get so tired because <laughs> I'm just like, fucking got to experience it. Got to do it. So we played Royal Melbourne back to that <laughs> 10 minutes ago. And it was wonderful, you know, but like I said, like I was a bit distracted because we had had a lot flying around, a lot happening, a lot of like b- ideas happening. Sydney was incredibly inspiring. You know, I came up with a lot of ideas of what I want to do in the future. And I'll circle back to that in some in some months to come. But but some big, big ideas were really brewing in Sydney that I'm really excited about. And as well, they continue to brew here in Hawaii, like with this team, with this society of like golfers that all have something deeply in common. It's like a sub network of well, well um, acquainted individuals that, that, that are interested in putting forth the energy and the effort to spend time with each other. Because that's what it's all about. The last thing you want to be is the lonely golfer. You might say you're a lone wolf, but that's bullshit. I don't buy it for a second. We're social creatures. If you think you're a lone wolf, just really think hard about that. Think real hard about it. Are you sure that you just haven't found your people? Because even wolves, man, you know, they need friends. <laughs> they do. I'm not, I'm not giving, it's not bullshit. Like, it's real. It's a solitary game, but, but the wonderful part of that solitude is that we share it. We share, like, the loneliness together. The solitude of sort of, of knowing that you can't cheat and of knowing that you're never going to get to where you want to be or that you're never going to play that perfect round. That that is something we all share. Just like I'm sure as a soldier out there in the field, like, yeah, you're together, but it's your life that's on the line. And if you're really brave, that's where the selflessness comes in. That's where the group comes in, is when you actually risk it to maybe save someone else. We don't get that. So, Royal Melbourne. Sorry, I keep getting sidetracked. <laughs> Royal Melbourne, jeez, hot button. Um, anyway, amazing course. Um 
you know, but I was distracted. Anytime I have a flight in the afternoon that's 10 hours, uh, I don't know, I just have a hard time focusing because I just hate flying so much and I hate checking bags and I hate the seats checking and I hate the, you know, in Australia they really nickel and dime you with all the weight of the baggage and all of the, you know, the carry-on requirements and then you got to go through multiple security things and I'm afraid I'm going to lose my passport and then they're going to be like, you're a clown, get off the plane or like... Then they're going to get on the plane. They're going to be like, you know what? This plane doesn't work. So you got to get on another plane. And it's just a lot. It's just a lot of hoops to jump through. And, you know, as much as I love flying and aviation, I'm also terrified by it and deeply annoyed by it. Um, so I have that on my head, you know. And then and then we, you know, so, I, so playing golf sometimes can be hard with that knowledge. Um, but it was a wonderful time, you know. Stuart really loved it. We Stuart brought his friend from Adelaide, Rick, and so we all played with Ben, who was just a wonderfully kind guy, really, really sweet guy, and um, good golfer, good golfer. We all played, we all we all hacked it around. Uh, a couple birdies out there, but it's a hard course. It rained. They served uh, soup after the sixth hole, which was a wonderful par four that I actually parred. I had a bomb drive. I drew it, even the hole the hole goes right, but I had a beautiful draw. And then I stood over my eight iron, and I had to I had to squeeze it. You know, I had a lot of I had a lot of juice to get out of that eight iron, but I was like, you know what? This is going to be an amazing shot. And I looked up, and the ball was on the stick. And then I had like a sidewinder twelve footer that I couldn't get high enough. You know, and I made par. And then we walk off six, and there's a, a little golf cart there with a guy in it, and he's got uh, soup, beef and vegetable soup. Now the soup didn't. Didn't uh, it wasn't in a bowl. It wasn't in a a pot. It was in a uh, it was in one of those huge plastic boxes that have coffee inside. And he had a metal pipe that came out with an on-off switch, and he just poured the soup out of the pipe and put it in a coffee cup. And we drank the soup, and it was a revelation. So yeah, then we go get on the plane and we go to Melbourne and we arrive in Hawaii and now we're here. There you go. I mean, 34 minutes. Guys, listen, uh, hit me up with some questions. Uh, I know you, I know a lot of you probably already have, but um, send me some questions. Um, you can get to me through my Instagram or through uh, the... Uh, if you haven't seen the vlogs yet, those are on YouTube. I'm going to be behind on the next one, so I'll just get that out as soon as I can. I know that uh, my parents are desperately waiting to watch those. Um, and... Uh, Hit me up. We're going to be in, um, where are we going next? We're going, uh, I got to get, I don't have my phone with me, but we're going to go to uh, northern Michigan, I think Traverse City. Then we're going to go towards, I think, Buffalo for another episode. And then we're going to go to Iceland. So like I said, if there's any Icelandic people listening to the podcast, I would love to uh, know about you. <laughs> and then we're make, hit by Scotland for a day or two. A little bit of Scotland, maybe, in the meantime. And then we're going to go to Gothenburg, Sweden. So if you're in any of those places, let me know. And if you have any questions, let me know, because I, I feel like I need more material to discuss. Um, and, um, you know, just keep it up. Keep being you. Keep driving. Always signal. Oh, and I came up with a new way to end the podcast. You ready? Check it out. Here it goes. Well, that's it for the Eric Lang Show. Remember, you can only fold a piece of paper in half seven times. 
maybe eight if it's tissue paper. Have a good one.